the, uh, that just excitement that this really is going to be our best year yet. Uh, you know, perhaps you, you started work and uh, you, you had this high expectation that this was going to be your best year yet and maybe it didn't, it was like a bit of a tricky week, but I want to invite you to press on because we are, we are determined that the kingdom of God is ever growing, that his grace on you is ever growing, that 2018 is going to be better than 2017 and 2019 is going to be better than 2018 because that's who we are. We are God's children ever growing into the glory and the grace and the victory that he has for us. Amen. So we started this um, series with Mike speaking on standing tall, and he talked about the relationships that we need in order to have our best year yet. And then we moved on and we talked about, we were talking from the, from the story of Gideon. At first, Mike spoke about how Gideon chose his fighting companions. Then we moved on to Judges 7, and we talked about that dream that the Midianites had had that gave Gideon, the courage to move forward. And we talked about facing your fears, living the life God's given you and obeying God to walk into your destiny. Last week, Pastor Kevin spoke from Judges, not really about Gideon. He spoke about Deborah, the honeybee, who, who just transformed the nation of Israel and initiated a victory for them that was so great. Um, and today we are going to be talking about Winning your battles. You know, um, some years back, I was facing a particular battle. And it involved like a systemic issue that was in my work environment. And I, I knew that it was hindering a lot of people from fulfilling their potential in that environment. And so um, in a very... I hoped loving way, began to confront it, talk about it, make suggestions. And you know, it was, it took a long time and um, sometimes I was misunderstood and um, sometimes I even outright, there was outright hostility to the, the need for change. And it was just this ongoing battle. And eventually I remember going before the Lord and saying to him, God, is it worth it? Is it worth bringing about this change? Is it worth this battle? I think I'm just going to give up and just let it let it be the old status quo and God said so clearly to me he said if you don't fight this battle your daughter will have to Amen. and I suddenly realized I suddenly realized that the battles that we avoid become the problems that our children will have to face and at the same time, the battles that we win, the victories that we have, become our children's legacy. You know what? They become the, the floor on which our children can launch off into something great. And I, you know, it just put this fire in my heart. Oh, my word, I'm not stopping. Because I'm, I'm, this is not about me. This is about me leaving a legacy for a generation. This is about me making the world different so that the people coming after me can have greater victories even than I have had. And you know, I think to some degree, we all face battles. And some of them aren't, uh, you know, like big societal changes. Some of them are just personal issues that happen. Some of them are... Um, calamities and difficulties that we face unexpectedly. You know, some of them are got to do with our family. Some of them got to do with our workplace. But every one of us faces battles. 
But here's the truth of the kingdom that I want to sink into your heart. I want you to really, really get this. Is that in God, we can always be victorious. I want you to get it deep. Because you know what? These battles come at you big, hard, fast, aggressive, with the, with the purpose to intimidate you, to keep you quiet, and stop you from standing in the inheritance you have in Jesus Christ. So we are going to be reading an interesting part of the story. Mike alluded to it when he preached, but I'm going to go into it in a little more depth. And it's starting in Judges 7 from verse 15. You can open in your Bibles or you can read along with me. It says, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do ex exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars. Grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets, they they were to blow, they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. Whew! I feel like that's a victory and a half. <laughs> as well, I'm going to pray before I carry on. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that you have filled the Bible with examples of victory, Lord God. Examples of men and women who have done it your way, who haven't compromised, and who have seen great victories, Lord God. We want to be in that company, Lord God. Lord God, we want to, at the end of our lives, be able to stand tall amongst this host of witnesses, the Gideons, the Abrahams, the Davids, and we want to be able to say, we lived our lives like they did. We lived our lives wholeheartedly, it over to you, seeing those kind of victories. Lord God, we want to ask that in every sphere that we work in and live in and play in, Lord God, that your presence would be here with us to bring about these kind of victories. And as we share around your word, Lord God, would you fill us with the confidence and the knowledge and the ability to walk in these kind of victories. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. So here we have this really fascinating story. Listen, if you, are, if you are by any chance the commander of an army or you're a general in the South African Defense Force, this is probably not ideal um, military tactics. You, you probably won't find it written in any military textbook anywhere. You will remember Gideon and the Israelites faced this massive, I mean, did I say Midianites? Israel, Israel and Gideon faced this massive Midianite army. You will remember earlier, it says that their camels, just their camels were like the sand, grains of sand on the seashore. I mean, it was just massive. And you remember how God whittled down Gideon's army from 32,000. 
1,000 to 300. You remember Mike talking about how none of them, none of this very tiny army even had weapons. And yes, this fully armed, enormous Midian ar Midianite army is just covering the, the land as far as you can see. And I want you to picture the scene. God has gone before this tiny army. And he has infiltrated the Midianite camp. And they are having dreams in which you will remember those round loaves of barley bread are rolling into the camp and knocking down tents. You remember that? And, and so at their at they core, these Midianites who are like the strong marauding force who are used to just getting their way wherever they go are starting to feel maybe there's something going on here. You know, they're having dreams and, ah, oh, maybe, maybe Gideon's actually going to defeat us. And these doubts are growing and God's feeding them. And then, then, in the middle of the night, close to midnight when the watch is about to change, Gideon sneaks his very small army around the Midianite camp. And then at his command, they all take these brittle earthenware jars that they have and they break them. And so, and put the trumpet to their mouth and blow on the trumpet. And to the Midianites in the camp, they suddenly look up in the middle of the night. They're busy changing guards. So some people are coming and going. There's already confusion in the camp. There's already um, doubt in their hearts. They look up at the mountains that surround them. And suddenly at every interval, there is a light. And there is a trumpet. And they know this. That when you're leading an army, the commander of each division carries a trumpet. And the commander of each division carries a light. And they think, oh my word, if there are 300 commanders, how big is that army? And in one moment, they, now it's dark in the camp and it's light on the hills. And they, they, they remember those dreams they've been having and their hearts fail them. And they take out their swords and anything that comes near them, they just strike at it with their sword because terror is, has taken over their hearts. And the really amusing thing to me is that the Israelite army is shouting, a sword for the Lord and Gideon. They don't even have any swords. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is a real faith statement that they're shouting out there. I mean, they are, they, are, they are not speaking about their physical reality. They are looking into the spirit realm and they're seeing a God truth. And they are shouting out and calling that God truth. And you know what God does? He just takes all the Midianite swords for himself. And the Midianites slay themselves with their own swords. And the name of God is glorified in that place. And every Israelite from that time on tells of the victory of Gideon. And I'm telling you, there's not a Jewish child from that time onwards that would ever feel like, oh my gosh, I have to be a massive army in order to win. From that time, there, in Israel, there, there is this culture that it doesn't matter how many of them there are of us. If we are following the Lord, we will win. 
Every child from then on grows up with the thought, if it's just me in an office and I am following God's truth and I'm living his ways, oh my word, what I carry will prevail. And it's meant to speak that very same thing to us, that wherever you go, whatever you do, whether you are one of a hundred or solely you by yourself, we have the story to tell us something. That how big you are, how knowledgeable you are, how equipped you are, is not the point. The point is, are you obeying God or not? Are you standing up for his truth or not? Are you following his leading or not? And if you are doing those things, I'm telling you, the enemy is running in 25 different ways, slaying himself, destroying his own plans. And the kingdom of God is rising in all its glory around you. Can you feel it, church? Really, I want you to get this. I want you to see who you are. You're not a, a like a... a f- There's a great word, and I'm going to get it soon. I'm really going to get it. You're not a besieged. You know what that is? Like, there's this army around you. You're not this besieged individual in a terrible world just trying to eke out a living. That's not who you are. You're the representation of God's kingdom in your environment. You are his man, his woman, his son, and his daughter, the carrier of his presence. And let me tell you, you have an earthen vessel to carry the glory and the presence and the light of God in. And you have a trumpet to declare the truth and the message that he's given you. And with those and those alone, you will see something magnificent happen in your environment. Amen. So I wanted to look at those tools that God had them use. First of all, he started with, in the text I read, they called them jars, but they were literally like earthen vessels, clay pots, that they carried these burning torches, these probably was reeds dipped in um, animal fat that were burning inside these pots. And clearly because they were inside these pots, they were hidden until the moment that the pots were broken. And it got me very much thinking about this scripture in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 10. And this scripture is Paul many thousands of years later writing about a similar concept that I believe God was trying to show the Israelites. Paul said this, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the, bo- in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. <laughs> He's saying that. Guys, you know, we are like earthenware pots. But inside of us, there is the power and the presence of God. We are carrying continually the remembrance of what Christ did on the cross and therefore living in the victory that he won for us so that his life is exuding from us all the time. And you know, as I was thinking about earthenware pots, you know, I just, I once did pottery 
for a very short time in my life for very good reason because it turns out I'm not very good at it and my pots didn't look very fantastic my pa I was a child at the time and my parents loved them but only because they were my parents you know I just could never get the roundness right somehow they always were like kind of a shape that couldn't really be described but it got me it got me thinking about the roughness and the ordinariness of clay pots and you know it's like it's not like beautiful silverware or fantastic china or beautiful glassware it's a clay pot and you know I, I then began to think of my own life and you know I realized for all of us we clay pots <laughs> not plots pots we clay pots and you know, God loves us, but we all know that there are a few dents and maybe we aren't perfectly formed. And you know, there's a crack here or there. And sometimes the paint on the outside is just fading a little bit. And although we, we're doing our best, you know what? We just, sometimes we just clay pots. And you know, I know for myself, I've spent a lot of time trying to beautify my clay pot. Really, I've tried to make it great you know, put like gold speckles on it, polish it up, I don't know, do all kinds of things to it. And, and, and there was some level of exhaustion that came to that. You know, you know how it is. You're always just trying to be better than the next person, trying to prove to the world that you're actually worth something, trying to kind of like make your life count. And it's this never-ending, ah, there's more that I have to do. Is there anyone here who's felt that? Or am I the only one? Am I like bearing my soul here and you're all thinking, that poor woman, someone needs to help her. <laughs> and you know, when I read the scripture, I'm so encouraged. I'm so encouraged. Because basically he's saying, it doesn't really matter what your pot looks like. Guys, you know what? We've all come from somewhere. We all have issues. We've all made mistakes. We've all had failures. We've all done stuff we're embarrassed about. My, maybe not Mike, but you know the rest of us. <laughs> and he's saying, guys, all your life is, is something to carry the glory in the presence of God. The point, the point is not how much you can pretty up your life. The point is how much of God can you carry? And you know what I find? As I walk with Jesus, the more I forget about myself and the more I concentrate on what he's doing in me, the more I concentrate on his mission, his glory, his, his delight, what he wants, it's, you know, I suddenly find myself more and more effective, more and more able to win the victories. Suddenly I find myself victorious in things without even trying. And, you know, years back, that would have been a real big battle. And now I find myself just walking through it like it's everyday stuff. And why is that? Because I'm less worried about the state of my pot. And I'm more worried about nurturing what I'm carrying. Because this is who you are. You're a carrier of his presence. This is what I want you to understand. You're a carrier of his presence. It's the whole point of Christianity. 
He died to be with you. He died that you would be filled with him. He died that you and him would now be in partnership forever. He died that he could lead you, that he could bless you, that he could fill you. And if we want to look at some of our identity dents so much, so, so to speak, those, those things that kind of like come at our pots and make them look a little bit less attractive. We've all had them, failures, negative words, disappointments, and abuse. But something that Bill Johnson said that I think is so powerful, he says this, anyone who has discovered who God has made them to be would never want to be anyone else. And I've come to discover this, that God made my pot just right. Dents, scrapes, whatever, just right. He fits really well inside it. And to be honest, he's more concerned about the inside of the pot than he is with the outside of the pot. So they had these trumpets that they blasted around the Midianite camp. And when I was thinking about this, I alluded to it, to it earlier. It sounds like a message, you know, a trumpet call. It's like a, a loud sound that just sounds over the environment declaring something. And I felt like God wanted us to find our Jesus voice. Find our message. Find the declaration that we are meant to speak over our environments. I love this scripture in Proverbs 18. It says this, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruits. I have a story I want to tell, so I'm going to quickly say this. Know the truth, speak the truth, your world will conform to the truth you express. Oh, Mike is saying, who do we quote for the statement? Yes, we quote Carol Gosman. I say a few nice things every now and then. <laughs> and I know they come from Jesus because I know what my pot looks like. You know what I'm saying? But I, I have a friend and I have permission to tell the story, but I don't have permission to say their name. So that's not their real picture. Okay, that's just a nice stock picture from the internet. But I have this, this man who was, was raising a daughter man, I know him quite well, and um, he tells, he's told the story very often to me, and we journeyed with him about, through this difficult time, but he, he had a daughter who, when she was a teenager, beautiful, lovely, lovely girl, um, she just started behaving badly, and you know, she did the normal teenager thing, she, she kind of made a decision in her heart that the, the other, the non-Christian world looked more exciting than the Christian world, so she was just going to give it a bash. You know, she didn't really have anything against God, but you know, she just, she was just, as a teenager, I just want to go and see what it's like on the other side of the fence. And oh my word, her dad was beside himself, just, um, you know, trying to deal with this. None of you who've had teenagers in here are feeling completely um, oblivious to what I'm talking about. But over time, he, he felt impressed by God to every time he was around his daughter, to start speaking over her, saying to her, addressing her by 
the destiny he saw in her life, the dreams he believed God had for her. And so every time she was around, he would say things to her. When she, when she walked into the room all grumpy, he would say, hello, world changer. Hello, daughter of the most high God. Hello, beautiful one. Hello, presence carrier. And when she came home from school and, you know, she had been called into the headmaster's office, you know, he would come back and say, oh, my word, I can see that you were born to do great things. And just continuously, no matter what she did, no matter where she went, she would hear her father's voice in her ear. She tells that story. And finally, she would be at parties and, the, you know, temptations all around her. And as she was about to step into doing something wrong, she would just hear her dad's voice in her ear. World changer, kingdom carrier. You were born for great things. And slowly but surely, these words started molding her soul, started speaking to her about something. And so what happened is day by day, she inched backwards from that bad life that she had chosen to finally she turned to her dad and said, yes, I want to be that. I want to be that. And, and, you know, I've seen this time and time again. that the, You think that the words you speak are just careless, careless whispers. You, do any of you know that song? It's tell, you're telling your age right now. <laughs> telling your age right now. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's just our words. Guys, we are created in God's image. There's, as we partner with God to speak the things he sees over environments, to speak the things he sees over people, there's a creative power in those words that molds your environments. Your words have creative power and they will create worlds around you and you will have to live in those worlds. So make sure that the words you speak create the worlds you want. And so I'm inviting you. Guys, we all have tough times. You know, maybe you have a boss from hell. You know, maybe you do. But I promise you, telling him that is not going to create anything good. <laughs> you know, speaking words of life to your colleagues, to your environment, it's going to create something different. They're going to start looking at things differently. There's going to be productivity in life. It's going to change the atmosphere. And the words you speak are going to create a world. They're going to create an environment. And I want to invite you, if you want to win those victories, put that trumpet to your mouth. Hear the voice of the Lord and declare loudly, boldly, often, the truth you're hearing, the vision you're seeing. You know, I don't even know if it's daily, but often, I just declare over this church, thousands upon thousands, even hundreds of thousands. Sorry, guys, I'm just telling you where my dream is going. Hundreds of thousands of people in love with Jesus, unstoppable, moving into South Africa, carrying the power of the gospel, changing lives, destroying strongholds, establishing kingdom, changing the world. Because, guys, that's who we are. And I'm going to put that trumpet to my mouth daily, and I hope you are too. Amen. And lastly, they took these earthen vessels and 
You know, Mike had this funny little story that he told about these Israelite men who, you know, had been married a little while and had to go to their wives and telling them that they were going to join Gideon's army and their wife would turn to them and say, so what weapon are you going to use? And they would say, well, we don't have weapons. Well, how big is the Midianite army? Oh, it's so big, you can't even count them. And how many are there of you? Oh, we've whittled it down to 300. You know, and, and the wife's eyes just getting bigger and bigger. It's like, oh my word, have you made a will? And have you signed it over to me? Because make sure you do that before you go. But I have another funny thought that came to me is that, you know, these guys, where did they get their earthen pots from? They had to go back to their wives. <laughs> and say, you know, you know, we don't have any weapons. Well, we thought maybe we'd use that earthen pot over there. Would, would you mind giving it to me? You know, is it okay if I use that? I mean, that wife, she is like, um, how long can it take me to get home to my mom's? You know, I'm just, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. This, my husband of mine's gone crazy. And then, I mean, when they came back from the army, they came with a great victory. But I'm telling you, those wives were asking, where's my pot? <laughs> but these pots that they carry, these earthenware pots, jars, they had the light of the glory of the presence of God in them, really. The Bible says that God is light and in him there is no darkness. And certainly when God allowed the story to be written in the Bible, he intended us to see that light as his presence. And they're carrying this into this place where surely they're more likely to die than, than not. And at that moment when Gideon blows his trumpet, they're instructed to break the pot and to hold up the light. And immediately for me, this is the choice God gives us in every battle. Is it what's going to win? My, um, the way I look to people, my comfort, because remember, we those clay pots. My integrity, my, my feelings of wholeness. Is that what's going to win? Or is it the light and the presence of God? Am I prepared to let go of myself for the sake of the presence of God? Am I willing to allow the presence of God to be everything? In other words, will I, will I stand up for his truth when it's uncomfortable? Will I declare what I know to be true? Will I speak what I know to be true? Will I do what I know to be true even when it's unpopular? Will I choose presence above everything else? A really interesting story is in John 1, and it talks about how um, John the Baptist is describing his encounters with Jesus when Jesus was baptized and the Spirit of God came down on Jesus and rested on him like a dove. And it says, then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Remember that word, remain. I would not have known in him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. 
You know, Jesus didn't come with armies of angels push, into Bethlehem. Bam, Herod, you're dead. You know, Roman army gone. Here I am to establish the kingdom. No, he came as a man, as a baby. He, he divested himself, got rid of all his God power so that he could be born as a man, as a person, as a human being, so that he could give us an example of what it meant to be a human being inhabited by the presence of God, living out the truth of God's presence with him so that we would have an example to follow. He looked forward to a time when you would be saved and you would have access to God's presence just as he did. And he showed you a pathway and said, this is what it looks like when a man follows God. This is what it means when a man has the spirit of God. And then he said, here, I breathe on you, have the spirit. So in other words, his, his life became an example to us of how to live. And the way that John the Baptist was to know that he was the Messiah was that the spirit of God would come on him and remain. And this story constantly speaks to me of a way of living whereby in every situation, I'm not thinking about how much more money I can get. I'm not thinking about what people will think about me. I'm thinking about, I want the Spirit of God to remain on me. Like a dove settling on my shoulder, I want to make sure that the way that I live doesn't cause the Holy Spirit to leave. I want to make sure that the choice that I make now enhances my relationship with God, not destroys it. I want to make sure that what I do now, the choices I make, will cause the presence of God on me to increase and not decrease. And here's a, a, rare, a thing that I put in in honor of Andrew, daily decisions determine our destiny. The way you face each and every choice will determine who you become. Something Rick, Woman, Rick Warren said, many of our troubles occur because we base our choices on unreliable authorities, on culture, everyone's doing it, on reason, it seems logical, on emotion, it just felt right. Alternatively, we choose his presence by basing our choices on his word. And that's what caused the Spirit of God to remain on us and causes us to be choosing his presence on a minute-by-minute minute basis. And that will always win a victory in which the enemy will turn around and destroy his own plans when the glory of God will be established in that place. And whether you are one, two, or three hundred, you will win that battle. Amen and amen. So in conclusion, know who you are, find your voice, and choose his presence. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you. <laughs> I want to thank you that you're that good, Lord. You're that good. That there's no, there's no difficulty, battle, disappointment, failure, hardship that we will ever face. That you haven't already prepared a victory for us. You, you've gone before us and you've already confused the enemy. You've already set us up for something great. And Lord God, we want to choose that. We want to choose that. And where you are right now, I'm just going to ask you just to do business between you and God. I, I want you to look at the battle.
that you are facing right now, whatever that is. And I want you to ask God to give you some statements and some words to use as a trumpet in that environment. I want you to ask God, how do I choose your presence above all else in this environment? How do I choose your presence? How do I become above all else a presence carrier in this environment? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that your grace would settle on them in this regard, Lord God, that you would enable them and empower them to do this always, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we, we thank you for the many Midianite armies that are going to flee before them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then while we are in prayer, I want to ask if, if as you live, you look, or as you look back on your life, you, you come to realize that you're not living the free Christian life that I've been speaking about. And you, you just want Jesus to set you free. You want to start afresh. You want to start on a victorious note. You want to change where you've been. You want to get free of the oppression in your life. You want, to, you want righteousness to be your standard. You want Jesus to be first above all things. And if that's you and you want to make that change, I'm going to ask you that. Well, first of all, church, I'm going to ask that we all pray this together. And if, you, if that's you, I'm going to ask that you would pray with us out loud. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. Lord, I ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. I surrender and turn away from all my self-effort to clean myself up and set myself free. And Lord, I choose you. And I ask you would set me free. You'd make me new. And you'd give me a, a new day to begin with you. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Is there anyone here that prayed that prayer? Um, and would I would love to know, oh, I know you all prayed it, <laughs> prayed that prayer for the first time or after a long time of being maybe not as close to Jesus. Is there anyone who did that here today? I would love you to raise your hand because I would like to pray with you personally. Is there anyone who did that? Thank you. Is there anyone else who did that? Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who did that? We're so proud of you. We want to celebrate you. Awesome. Church, can I ask you to stand for a moment? And those two men who raised their hands, won't you come to the front? If you feel like you should have raised your hands but didn't, please come forward anyway. Congratulations. Lord, I pray for these two great men. I just ask for more of your presence on them, Lord God. We just declare a new day over them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Celebrate them once more, church.